I also want to make sure before I get started to acknowledge, uh, I, of course, you may probably see me from time to time with my, my family, my wife here, um, and, and uh, who just told me to grab the mic. Um, <laughs> ben, does your wife give you instruction before you get up? <laughs> I, I don't, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I've been doing this for like 20 years, but... but <laughs> But, uh, you know, I've, uh, in fact, I have to say, I'm, I am grateful. Let me go back to that. I am grateful because uh, since I've left Illinois, this is the, um, the first church that I preached in. Actually, I've preached several times, but this is the first church that I've preached in. Um, and, of course, I'm glad that this is my congregation here. And so, so I'm grateful to be uh, up with you this morning. But I don't want to belabor uh, that point. I want to say I, you normally would see me with my wife here and, and my daughter and my, uh, my mother-in-law. They are here with me. But, you know, I noticed that my, my two brothers and, and, and my dear friend, uh, my brother's friend friend, um, is here with, me, with us today. And so uh, this is the beauty of being in Central Florida now. Actually, my family gets to come and see me, so I appreciate that. I'm grateful for you guys being here. Um, I know since my, <laughs> yeah, I know since my younger brother's here, I'm going to have to preach a little shorter than I thought. He, he tends not to like long messages, but then again, he's in my house today, isn't he? So uh, we'll do what we can do. We'll do what we can do. Um, Isaiah chapter 53 is where we're taking our cues from this morning. We're actually going to start from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. That's the natural break in this text. Um, I want to move with you through the text, and then I'll tell you a little bit more about it. Behold, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 says, My servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Uh, another version might say high. And lifted up. Just as many as were astonished at you, his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Verse 15 So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see, and what they had not heard, they shall consider. Who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. 
And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his, his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sin of many and he made intercession for the transgressors. This is the word of the Lord. But just a little while, I want to I want to talk to you from the thought siding with the servant, siding with the servant. Beloved, in Isaiah chapter 53, we find Isaiah attempting to encourage God's people. And throughout the two chapters prior, 51 and 52, he says, it's time for you to God's people to awake, to awaken and get ready to leave your oppression. He says, Egypt has oppressed you and now Syria is Assyria, excuse me, is oppressing you. But now you need to start singing loudly and praising God now. And you need to get ready because your oppression is about to come to an end. And you can almost hear somebody ask Isaiah the question. No one does, but he's apparently anticipating this question. And you can hear somebody kind of say, but but how? How is the oppression going to come to an end? It doesn't seem like it's going to come to an end through me. How can we pick ourselves up? How can we strengthen ourselves? How can we awaken ourselves? And this whole passage, Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13, through Isaiah 53, 12, is Isaiah explaining that the reason you can start singing is because deliverance is going to come from God's servant. Look at what he says in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. He says, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He he mentions the servant, and then for the next 15 verses, he goes on just a rampant, just a rampage to explain who this servant is. Now, if you're not a Bible reader, you may not know this, but if you are a Bible reader, then you probably already know something about that servant in this section. You know that every time someone reads this chapter, they talk about the quote-unquote suffering servant of God. That's, that's a right place to start in Isaiah. It's the suffering servant of God. You know that throughout the chapter, Isaiah paints this horrific picture for us of the suffering servant of God. In fact, just look at what he says, not in 53, but in chapter 52, verse 14. He says about this suffering servant, his visage, his appearance was so marred more than any other man and his form more than the sons of men. And Isaiah doesn't stop at telling us that the servant suffered. He, he goes in detail on how the servant suffered. But beloved, if each time you walk away from Isaiah 53, you only see that this person is a suffering servant, then I'm, I'm afraid you may have missed some of the most joyful portions of the text. 
Isaiah doesn't just tell us that the servant is a suffering servant, but he provides us with other characteristics about this servant that indeed, by God's grace, can bless our lives. He, he tells us that he's a sovereign servant in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. In Isaiah chapter 52, 15, he says he's a sprinkling servant. Uh, he is a substitutionary servant in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 6. Uh, he is a silent servant in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7. He is a saving servant, a spent servant, rather, in, in Isaiah uh, chapter 53, verse 10. He is a satisfied servant in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. And he's a saving servant in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 11 and 12. In fact, one conclusion that I came to as I read through Isaiah chapter 52 and 53 is that there's a whole lot of S going on in this passage. That's what I came to conclude. If, I, if you don't get anything else, you know there's a whole lot of S going on in Isaiah. I don't know what y'all thinking about. I'm just talking about the S's right here in Isaiah chapter 52 and 53. Now, now please forgive me because I know, I, I know that I won't be able to cover all of these in this particular sermon. But I say to you again, if you've walked away from Isaiah and you've only recognized that he's the suffering servant, then I know that God would want to reveal more of himself to you through this servant. In fact, I want to start it off here and I want to look at what Isaiah starts us off with in Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13. That, that is, before we see this servant, he hadn't identified him yet, but before we see this servant as the suffering servant, we first have him introduced to us by Isaiah as the sovereign servant. The sovereign servant. Behold, he says in Isaiah chapter 52, 13, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be high and lifted up. You, you missed it. You missed it. I'm going to read it again. He says, he says, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be high and lifted up. You missed it again. You missed it again. I'm, I'm going to give it to you one more time. He says, behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be high and lifted up. Whoever this servant is that Isaiah makes reference to, he's making reference to him using the same language that he used in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1 when he says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, listen to it, high and lifted up. Isaiah says he gets us a little bit closer to the identity of the servant, praise God, he puts a little bit of identity on this suffering servant, and he helps us to know that before the servant is a suffering servant, he is a sovereign servant. And we know he's sovereign because Isaiah tells us that he will be high and lifted up. Now, if you know anything about uh, Isaiah and how he sees the Lord, uh, passages like Isaiah chapter 42 and 8 and Isaiah 48 and 11, you recognize that Isaiah wouldn't put anybody on par with the Lord. That, that when you talk about somebody being high and lifted up, for Isaiah, there is only one person who is high and lifted up. 
For Isaiah, you've heard him say it. He says, he says, there, there, I am the Lord. You've heard him write it. You've seen him write it. I am the Lord, and besides me, there is no other. I am God, and beside me, there is no other. And beloved, I don't know about you, but I recognize here that the servant that must be talked about right here in Isaiah 52 must be the Lord. Must be the Lord. And, 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 and the Bible tells us that he is a, a sovereign servant. Uh, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm also glad that this, this suffering servant is sovereign. Since he's sovereign, he, he not only has the authority to act on my behalf, but to speak to those realities in my life of sin and condemnation, and just by his word, see to it that they can never harm me again. That, that's what happened when we came to faith in the servant ourselves. He, he spoke to those realities in our lives that kept us in sin. And those realities do not have power over us anymore. Um, this is why the Apostle Paul says something like this. He says, he says uh, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Now, that's, that's interesting because Paul is just now finishing in Romans chapter 7 telling us that he was sinning, that when he wants to do good, evil is there. When he wants to do right, wrong follows him. But he says in the next chapter, he says uh, that, that, that he's not affected by that sin anymore. He, he understands that, that he's no longer... Uh, held captive by the law of the spirit of life. He, he's, and, and, and this is you and I too. I, I know we do sin, uh, but we're not held captive by it anymore. We sin because we like to sin. That's why we sin. Um, but this is what John also says. John says. John says, I wrote these things to you so that you may not sin. But even if you do sin, we, talking about people who follow this servant, have an advocate with the Father. I, I, didn't even, I didn't even mean to mention his name, but I might as well go ahead and say it. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And he is the propitiation for our sin. Just in case I don't get to it, that word propitiation simply means he is the satisfaction for our sins. He's the one that God looks at, and if you have him, then you satisfy God despite what your life is like. If you have him, that sovereign servant, then you satisfy God. Let me go on a little bit. As I'm thinking here in my notes, I'm, 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 uh, this is not in my notes, but let me just say, I know some of you probably are saying, now, Stephen, you got to stop right there. You got to stop right there because, because what you're saying doesn't even make sense. How can he be a, a sovereign servant? How can he be sovereign and a servant. And, and you're probably saying, no, no, Steve, you, 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 that's an oxymoron. That's oxymoronic. And you, you putting sugar and grits now. They don't go together. They don't go together. You, you putting, you, you eating, you eating vegan with pork ribs now. You eating vegan with pork ribs now. That don't go together. That doesn't go together. But, but the Bible tells us that he's a sovereign servant. He's a servant, yes, 
but he is sovereign. Here Jesus is, I might as well call, it, call his name. Here Jesus is, and the Bible tells us how he did it. The Bible says he came down from heaven, but he made himself of no reputation. He, the Bible, we call it kenosis. He emptied himself. He emptied himself of his power. He had the power, but he didn't, give, he didn't use his power. And, and, and we'll talk about what, why that's that way in a minute here. He had the power. He could say and do anything. The Bible says even when he was going through the, the process of being a servant, he could have called 12 legions of angels. But he did not. He did not do that. He didn't use his power. And my God, I'm grateful that he's not just a suffering servant, but he's a sovereign servant. He can speak to things so that they don't have to harm me anymore. And if they happen to harm me, I'm his child. I will see him one day. But not only is he a sovereign servant, he's also a sprinkling servant. He's a sprinkling servant. Uh, but friends, um, you need to hear it. Isaiah says, so in verse 15 of chapter 52, so shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. And the fact that he's a sprinkling servant is wonderful because as the sovereign servant, I, I know that he can keep sin from me. But as the sprinkling servant, I learned that he can keep me from sin. I, I learned that, that, that he can keep me doing the right thing. Here, Isaiah reaches back not now to his own words, to tell us that he's a sprinkling servant. But this time he reaches back to Exodus chapter 24 or Leviticus chapter 4. And in Leviticus we find that there was a priest sometimes and the priest would sin or that the whole community of Israel would sin or that an individual would sin. Uh, somebody would unintentionally sin. And, and he could go through the process of offering a sin offering or a guilt offering. And part of the process for the priest who would be sinful or the people who would be sinful was that part of the process was after they killed the bull is they would dip their blood in the uh, finger in the blood and they would sprinkle it before the, the curtain of the Lord. And the sprinkling uh, showed us something. In fact, Moses tells us what it shows us because there was a moment when, when, the, when the law had been given and now Moses himself also does the same thing. He starts this process. He starts this idea of the sprinkling. And, and Moses tells us that the blood is sprinkled as a sign of God's covenant with you. God sent his servant to sprinkle on you cleanliness uh, and overcoming of sin through the covenant. Now, the covenant is, is not necessarily based on me. It's kind of like the, the covenants that God made with his people, he understands the people really couldn't keep them. You know, you, you may remember the covenant he made with Abraham, and, 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 and he, he makes this covenant with Abraham, but instead of keeping Abraham awake, he puts Abraham to sleep while he's making the covenant. And he cuts these two, the, the two halves of an animal in half, and because he knew that Abraham probably wouldn't do it right, he says, who am I going to make this covenant with in order to keep the covenant? And the Bible says since there was no one else to, to, to do this with, God made the covenant with himself. And this is what the sprinkling does. 
The sprinkling of you and I is because God knows that you probably won't keep the covenant. Some of y'all sinned just last night. Some of you sinned just this morning. Oh, oh, not even some of you, some of us. We, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And, and the iniquity came through the sprinkling. He's a sprinkling Savior. And because of that, you're clean. This, this is why Peter, this is why Peter and Jesus had this discussion. And, and, and Peter says, wait, wash all of me. Uh, Jesus says, you're clean. We just need to keep washing your feet. Because that's the part of you that touches. And, and, and in life, uh, the covenant, the covenant that we have with God, God is going to keep us. But we do well to live well. We do well to seek how we can best follow after him. It's not about salvation anymore because that's done. That's a done deal. You are in covenant with God. And he's going to get you. And I love, I love what Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says. It says, he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Praise God for his word, right? Yeah. Because, because I know I can't keep my side of the covenant. But God can keep it. and He can keep you. He can keep you. He's a sprinkling servant. Um, and then go, Isaiah goes on and he does begin to talk about this suffering servant. And we just read all of those things. We read through the whole passage. Um, he begins to talk about this suffering servant. And it should be noted that Isaiah makes such a compelling statement about the servant that nobody would even believe in this servant. Uh, this is why Isaiah says, he asked the question in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. He says, who has believed our report? And he makes clear that people don't believe the report because of the description of this suffering servant. He says, who has believed our report? By the way, when he says who has believed our report, the language is not who has believed the report that we have brought to people, that is our story that we have told them. The language is such that who has believed the report that's really about us? That when we talk about the suffering servant, we're talking about us. In fact, uh, Isaiah goes on to mention all the things the servant has suffered. In verse 2, he says that the servant experienced, in verse 2, insignificance, unpopularity, and unattractiveness. In verse 3, he tells, us, he tells us that people hated to even look at him, and they were indifferent to his suffering. He also tells us in verse 3 uh, that the servant was all the time sad and was familiar with sadness. Um, and, and so when you see those pictures of Jesus smiling, it's probably not Jesus. Jesus had real challenges. He, the Bible says he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Uh, verse 4 says he had grief and sorrow, and he had it for everyone else, but no one ever had it for him. Verse five and six, verses 5 and 6 says he was the scapegoat for irresponsible people, and even, even though he was the only responsible person, he was treated as the one who was irresponsible. He was a scapegoat. Verse 7 said he was mistreated by systems and he never told anybody. He held it all inside. 
Verse 8 says he was in and out of court and jail and even died without anyone protecting his legacy. And you think that he was safe then, but even after he died, people tried to slander his name. And verse 10 says the very person who knew he was innocent was the very one who framed him. That's what, that's what, that's what Isaiah paints the picture of. Uh, he, he says it was the father's will and, and, and it pleased the father to crush him. Uh, friends, I, I had to ask God. I really was because, you know, sometimes I don't know about you. Are there things that sometimes you just don't like about God? Oh, just me? Just, no. I, I can't get no hands. Nothing. Y'all don't? Okay. Well, maybe it's just me. I, I see two people. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I'm the wrong guy. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's some stuff I don't like about. I love my God, but some stuff I don't like about him. I, I just want to be honest with you. And, and, and friends, I had to ask God about this because I didn't like this picture of the suffering servant. Uh, I, I, why, I say, does Isaiah take the time and paint such a picture of a suffering servant? Such an attractive, unattractive, unwelcoming, repulsive servant. Why then are we asked to look to that servant for deliverance? And God, why did you approve for Isaiah to, to draw such a repulsive painting of the person that's supposed to be bringing deliverance to the people of God? Who wants that servant? God said the servant was that way. Because he needed to relate to the people that he came to serve. And, and it became clear to me. He, he needed to relate to, 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 to the people he came to serve. The servant was insignificant because we oftentimes feel insignificant. The servant was unpopular because we oftentimes feel ourselves so unpopular. The servant had grief and sorrow because we live lives with grief and sorrow. The servant was a scapegoat because sometimes even though we're not doing the wrong thing, it's attributed to us to do uh, that we have done the wrong thing. The servant was mistreated by systems because we most times, many times, are mistreated by the systems. And the servant held it all inside because we oftentimes don't tell anybody. We just go through life in pain. And the servant had all of these things. He didn't have, he went through court and jail because sometimes that's the places that we find ourselves. He even died without anyone protecting his legacy. And that's because sometimes we die and people don't know the full story of how we got there. The servant. The servant had to be that way because he was coming to meet us. And that's how we are. I mean, is there some, I, I, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I could imagine that right now in this place, there's someone who's feeling just a bit unpopular. You're feeling just a bit low, lowly esteemed or not esteemed at all. There's somebody probably right here right now who feels that other people are indifferent to their suffering. Sometimes even when you care for them. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? The, the servant, the servant came like that because we, we are like that. And, 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 and in fact, um, this servant, friends, he didn't just come to serve you, but he came 
to be you. He came to take on every sadness you take on, every hurt you hurt, every cry you cry, every burden you had to lift. The servant came to exchange his life for your life. And Isaiah helps us know that the servant suffers because his people suffer. By the way, I don't know if you know, that's the New Testament word for reconciliation. That word reconciliation means he exchanged life for you. That's why Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth, because you have died and now your life is hidden with Christ in God. The servant did that. Friends, the servant. And in fact, it, it helps us to know he was also a substitutionary servant. In other words, Isaiah helps us to know he's not just a suffering servant, a sovereign servant. He's a substitutionary servant. And look at what he says. He says, surely he's borne our griefs. He's carried our sorrows. It's as if that word born, it's like your griefs were laying on the ground because you couldn't pick them up. And the servant went over and picked them up and he hoisted them on his back. And then it says he carried your sorrows. And as you walk in life, the servant is walking right there with you. With your stuff on his back, your griefs on his back, your sorrows on his back. And even then, the Bible says, and when he, and when, when we just, when he was carrying them, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. He was carrying them, carrying them, carrying them, until at some point, walking down that road toward the cross, he couldn't carry them anymore. He had, they had to give his, his load to a man named Siren of Cy, Simon of Cyrene. And Simon of Cyrene had to carry it for a little while, but it really wasn't Simon's bear, cross to bear. Now, we all have our own cross. That's why the hymn writer said, must Jesus bear the cross alone? And all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone. And there's a cross for me. But Jesus had his own cross to bear. And Simon had to stop and, and let Jesus finish carrying his cross to bear. And when he did, the cross that he had had every sin that you had on it and every sin that I had on it. Not just the ones you committed, but the ones that you will commit. And they were placed on the cross with the servant with the servant church and the servant is a substitutionary servant listen friends whatever the servant was suffering from he got it from us whatever load he was carrying he carried it for us and in fact whatever you have right now you can bring it to the servant you can bring it to the servant uh, I'll pause here I'll tell one more thing and I just want you want to let you go here God also allowed the, the servant to be painted this way for another reason. I'll, I'll tell it to you like this. I'll tell it to you like this. Right now, on display, for the whole world to see, is the horrifically tragic story of a young man, 14-year-old, was 14-year-old man named Emmett Till. Emmett Till was a 14-year-old boy from Chicago who had gone to stay with his family in a place called Money, Mississippi, very rural area, just where my father grew up, right there. He was, Emmett Till was falsely accused of whistling at a woman named Carolyn Bryant. And four days later, Till was kidnapped from his uncle's home, beaten and tortured and shot in the head and, and killed by Roy Bryant, the husband of the woman, and his brother, J.W. Milam. And now, to hide his body, 
They took some barbed wire and a, a 75 pound fan and they, they wrapped the barbed wire around his head and they, and they threw the fan in the Tallahatchie River. Days later, when they found Till's body, it was so marred and disfigured that they couldn't recognize him. The ring on his finger was how they were able to identify him. Authorities buried him in Mississippi as quickly as possible, but his mother, Mamie Till Mobley, demanded that they send the body back to Chicago. And when the mortician wanted to offer to touch up his body, she declined the offer. And, and, when, and when she was encouraged to have a closed casket funeral, she refused later, say, later saying, I wanted the world to see what they did to my baby. And because the world saw what these evil men and this soon-to-be-judged racist system that supported them did to her baby, some 100,000 people went to view Till's body, and fuel and flame were added to the civil rights movement because of it. Beloved, I, I, don't, I don't mean to end on any kind of morbid note with you, but when you look at Isaiah chapter 52, verse 14, you recognize that God has placed Isaiah on assignment, as it were, to show the world what they did to his baby. And if you can stomach what they did to God's servant and side with him anyway, Knowing that when you're in pain, he's in pain too. If you can walk with him, you know that he's walking with you too. If you can side with that servant, you need to recognize. We didn't get to the, all, the, the end of the, the passage. You need to recognize that one day that servant is going to have victory. That the cross that he bore is not where he stayed. That the grave that they put him in is not where he stayed. But what he did was three days later, on the third day, he was raised with all power in his hands. And the Bible says that if we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. I wish I had more time with you, but I want to let you know, if you side with the servant who is Jesus Christ... If you walk with Jesus Christ, he's going to get you there. If you walk with Jesus Christ, that servant, that servant will teach you how to be the servant. But when it's all said and done, it won't end in your death. It'll end in your resurrection. Praise God for his word. Father, we thank you for the, the, the great grace of God, the great grace of God that you gave us through your servant, Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to be sincerely connected to that servant, Lord God, to walk with him, to talk with him, Lord, to hear him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Father, that as we do it, uh, you will continue to teach us how to become more like him, Father God. In the name of Jesus, we pray.